0: hey Jim hi what are we talking about today we're talking about a little bit of a little bit of market update maybe talk about home inspections maybe fiber in, in Abmont County and possibly housing is a luxury good but I think would well, that might be a as you said it might be too heavy for a, a segment um, I, I might bring in somebody else for that one as well but it's something that I was in a quasi conference last week in Portland Oregon and that was one of the the unintended running themes was the cost of housing in America and around the world is becoming such that it's not affordable for you know a bulk of the population, and that it's it's becoming not intentionally and it's just a matter of course is that in a lot of our markets, uh, housing is a luxury good that most people can't afford. Like San Francisco, granted they're bizarre and weird in a lot of ways with their real estate market, but a uh, hundred twenty thousand uh, dollar salary is low income. You know, it's it's certainly an extreme in, in a whole lot of ways, but it's something that you know, you've got a lot of people in in that market that are flying to the mid midwest to afford a house and you have people from the coasts who are saying I can't do this anymore and they're moving inland uh, and we see, you know, affordability in Charlottesville is tough. I mean, for for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So it's something that it's I'm, I I've been mulling that 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 over for the last few days and weeks about just sort of where we are as a culture and society as far as from a housing perspective that's what um, I said about heavy yeah it's that's pretty heavy I mean like on the <laughs> other side to that, I do have a question of what a quasi conference looks like <laughs> so it's it's a show uh, they call it it's not it, I say it's a conference because people understand what a conference is yeah this is this is more of a show in that they had um uh, the the interlude between speakers was a di- didgeridoo. Uh, <sighs> you know that was you know that was the interlude between speakers. Um, everyone p- spoke for 15, 20 minutes twenty five minutes. He had a, someone talking about branding and she used uh, David Bowie as her muse for all things branding. Um,
1: um, I can I, I'll co sign that one all yeah. day
0: long. Uh, and then t- someone did a a talk on on you know sort of about the the bigger real estate market from a from a national perspective. Um, you know, one guy came in and he talked about, uh, the Yo Ching, uh, take off of the I Ching. Um, it's, it was the most varied show I've been to. I mean, it's, it's a conference in that people go of sort of like mind within the real estate space to go and, you know, interact and, and network and stuff. But you go for more than, you know, here's a new piece of technology you can apply. It wasn't any of that. Yeah. It was more this is somebody awesome that I think y'all could benefit from hearing. A lot of the guys were not from anywhere remotely real estate related. So it was, you know, it was a conference, but it was more of a production and a show and creative types coming together to cool. learn. Yeah. So, but that, that was one thing that, you know, throughout, you know, one was an MLS executive and one, you know, so it was, you know, I'm still sort of processing my notes and my pictures and yeah, taking yeah. it in because it was That's a cool. lot, but it was one thing that they said that, um, you know, looking at the national, you know, the America's national real estate market, the coasts and some pockets are getting so bloody expensive that it's just not even impractical. It's impossible for people to, to rent or buy a home. So it's something that we're going to have to reckon with at some point. I I got an email from someone a little while ago, uh, within the last two weeks. And she said, um, I see that there's a new house coming up on, on old Hilltop. Mm -hmm. And, um, I did some digging, and I, I see that a lot of those houses along that street. And if, for listeners, it's houses built in the 50s and 60s. They're, they're, they're good homes, modest homes, probably between 250 and 325 from a price perspective. Um, and she said, I was doing some digging, and it looks like a lot of those homes are zoned for R2, which allows for you know, duplexes and mm-hmm. stuff like that, which mm-hmm. adding more housing units is, is one way to increase affordability. And she said, you know, I know that Crozet is growing, and at some point, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if those houses get torn down and replaced yeah. with newer stuff. And uh, the gist of the email was, how do we stop that? How do we stop tearing down existing houses? When the time, you know, it happens a lot of markets, that you know, it gets to the point where it just it's not practical to refurb existing houses, so you tear it down, you rebuild. You know, but she said, you know, how do we stop that? Because I don't want R2. I don't want more people and more houses around me. Like, well, so you, you've you got what you've got, and you want to keep other people from having that.
2: Um, yeah, That's always the problem. Like, everybody trying to shut the door behind them. Yeah. That happens, like, on the internet. Like, when people start sites or people start different kind, like, then they want to shut the door on people on the way back in. Like, right. oh, like, you don't know what you're doing. Or you don't care about my community. Or you don't care about, you don't understand the character of this community. Right. That is a, I mean, that's like, that's a societal issue. Yeah. Like everybody wanted to shut the door behind them on the way back. Like, I mean, but we had to, like, that's like, that gets into like density, that gets into all those things. And I think that that becomes, that's where it gets heavy. Like, like you said, like for housing to become a luxury good, like that's where it gets, like, is that the, is that the situation you want? Like entire pockets, you know, of, of cities and entire, like, will just become developed around that ethos that like, I just want it to be this way. And then it becomes you price out of the market, any kind of diversity, any kind of artistic class, any kind of like,
0: well, I mean, everything. it's people. I mean, you know, know, I, I, there's a a cleaning person I work with. um, And she does an awesome job. Works for a lot of my clients. And I live in Crozet and she lives in green. I said, you've got so much business here. Why don't you move from there to there? And she's I "Can't you know, housing prices are too high. It's it's wow. more, more, more efficient to drive, you know, 100 miles a day or whatever it is, um, than it is to to move somewhere where it's bloody expensive." This yeah. is the part that I was going to ask about, though. I mean, do you, like, are we going to see a change in that direction? I
1: mean, like, I can say, like, growing up, like, I grew up in New England. Mm-hmm. My dad worked in Boston for almost my entire young adult life, but we lived in Rhode Island, and so he would travel. He would drive 30 minutes. To get on a train for another thirty minutes, right, and then after work you would get on a train for thirty minutes to get back in the car and drive for thirty more minutes, and an hour commute from living in a suburb, an hour outside the city in a completely different state, right, to travel into the city to go work. Because I mean, as you can imagine, I mean, like Boston is impossible to live in unless you're like in a college dorm. Period. Like it's yeah. just impossible to live in, basically. I mean, are you going to start to see more of that? I mean, you brought up San Francisco. I mean, even Portland is is becoming that kind of a city too. I mean, are we going to start to see more more of that because housing prices and the market is becoming so inflated that people are going to become you are going to see more commuter communities popping up.
0: I think you're going to see more commuter communities, but I think that more more likely is you're going to see more um, more people remote working. I mean, you know, a lot of I, I I always make this number up, but you know, my in my 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 lens. I'd you know, say 17 to 28% of my clients work out of the house. 30% of the American workforce is part of the gig economy, as they call you know. it. So, yeah. I mean, I think that it's something you're going to see more of that. And I think that that actually is a, a delightful segue to one of the things that uh, someone brought up on Twitter is that unless we have sufficient internet infrastructure, we're hamstrung. Yeah. You know, we don't, if, unless we have you know, solid fiber up and down, um, you know, upload, download has to and be. And you've got to put it in rural communities.
1: You've got to get... I mean, like, states have to make an investment to right. get fiber internet into rural communities. Yeah, My recording studio is down in Nelson right at the bottom of Wintergreen, mm-hmm. and, like, we have to operate on satellite satellite internet because we just don't have another option there, and right. so in which it's like, hey, the internet is slow as could be, but I also have to tell clients, like, hey, when you're done using the internet, I need you to actually shut the internet off <laughs> of your device <laughs> because your phone, when it's in your pocket, yeah. is just going to suck on it, and we only have, like, 25 gigs a month to work with, and if, you, right. if I have... Five members of a band plus assistant engineers and myself, and everybody's got their phones on. Like we'll suck up twenty five gigs in an hour if we, right. if we if we're not careful.
0: Yeah, and so like you've got to get it into rural communities. Like, but it has to be it has to be recognized, and it's you know not not looking at it from a political lens at all. But it has to be recognized as is you know damn near a a, a, a need. I mean, it's, it's water, utility.
1: It, yeah. It's it it's, it has to become like utility. It has to, and I mean. You know, my my, my small government and, 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 like, pro-business friends, I have this argument with them all the time. Like, they're like, no, this needs to be, like, you're going to get better service by, by having competition. I'm like, but right now there is no competition. That's the whole problem. Right. And it needs to be treated. I mean, like.
0: Well, I mean, you, you look, again, look, looking at it from perspective of a utility, which I think it needs, it's, it's like water and sewer. It's water and sewer are a utility. And electricity. It has, electricity. To, it has to be there. But there's one community that I'm thinking of that they sold their their, their private um, you know, water and sewer authority to another private water and sewer authority. And the rates quintupled. Jeez.
2: It's, you're talking about Flavana.
0: I'm not saying where it is. I'm <laughs> saying... <laughs> I'm saying, I feel like
2: you're talking about Fluvanna. It
0: could be, but I'm not <laughs> going to say. I mean,
2: but that's, yeah, like you said, that if you, like, I don't understand, like, it, to me, it creates economic opportunity for people. Like, if you put it into the rural community, mm-hmm. then, like, you've created, like, an entire, like, you've changed the opportunity for a ton of people to be able to start their own business or to be able to run their own business from their house. Like, to me it's the it's like a lot of things like if you you can look at it as an investment or you can look at it as like a, an expansion of government but like in the end like that is going to create a larger economy it's going to create a more opportunities it's going to create a more level playing field it's going to create less poverty like to me like you put that kind of thing into rural communities like you you have the ability to change what happens there I, mean, I mean,
1: that's, that's I'm what, not going to disagree with you. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think... I'm not going to disagree I don't know with that you. we've
2: got enough voices in this room that could come up with,
1: there's like... A, there's a very large opposition to that argument. Yeah, yeah.
0: but I, I think recognizing, though, to your point, though, in, that a lot of the kids in public schools are in private schools, too. If they don't have internet at home, they are at a massive, massive negative versus their peers.
1: I mean, this is the stance that I take with it all the time. Is like we live in the information age and that information then has to become accessible to every American mm-hmm. in the country, period. Well, it, and and currently, that is restricted to some of the areas that I feel need it the most, which is rural and underserved communities in our country, and especially in our state right now. And so like in the information age, we can look up anything on our devices. We can right. look up any piece of information on our devices in a moment's notice, but if you don't supply communities with that then you're you're li- you are by design leaving certain communities
0: behind well when when people and businesses target areas to relo- to which they want to relocate they want to relocate they look at the infrastructure they look at yeah. roads they look at you know, bike lanes walkability there's a real push like apex um you know, w- alternative energy company they do a program where they will give their their employees a bonus or there's a bonus st- structure in there that if you Know, walk a ride to work, you get a you know you get a, a discount or something like that. There's an incentive.
1: So you're saying Amazon is not going to relocate their
0: new headquarters? God, Apple. I hope not. Dear God, I hope not. You know, but they look at you know people look at the the internet infrastructure, and so people. I mean, I've got a client now that he needs a hard number of up and down. Yeah. And if it's not available, he's not going to buy a house. Yep. You know, and so companies do that too. Like you know, thinking you know, Crozet, like downtown Crozet, they need fiber. And they need legit fiber for business to, businesses to come in and get what they need. Well, I mean,
1: so, I mean, obviously, we all know Ting is in Charlottesville. right? And, you know, we've all, I mean, I hope everybody in this room has done it. But, I mean, you, Ting has on there on their website. like, plug in your address, mm-hmm. and then we tell you if it's available. And, of course, in Crozet, it's not. But it says get more people to request right. it, and we'll start to work out there. Literally everyone I know in Crozet, and, again, I'm hoping this room is included on there, has done this. And so. Yeah. Part of me just wonders, like, well, then what else are we waiting for? Like, how do we incentivize that to push out
0: further? Well, you know, or are they just <clears throat> not going
1: to do it? I mean, like, if they say, like, we just are – it's not – we financially can't do it. I, don't know I just want
0: to know. I don't know anything about them. I know that a client of mine in town w- could see Ting's line within eyesight across the street, and he could get the hookup, but they didn't have the capacity on that particular node to accommodate another customer. So I think the infra- I think the infrastructure is, you know, taking time to build sure. out. Um but I think it has to, you know. There's the Sugar Hollow, rural, very rural community. Right. They got together with uh, CenturyLink, the DSL provider, and they they raised within their little community like fifty or hundred grand to buck up and say, "Look, we will all subscribe, and we'll even carry some of that cost." You know, and so they're laying fiber. So, I, but I, you know, I think it's something. It's 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 a slow process, but it's one that needs to need needs to be recognized as, as a need, not just a, a luxury to have. No. Oh, I've got internet. No, we need internet.
2: That's awesome that like a community got together yeah. and did that. I mean, like that's almost like an argument for like maybe having an HOA. As <laughs> I get like, yeah, dirty stairs across it, it the get,
0: table, gives, <laughs> an, it gives an opportunity to, to band together and do I'm good things. A a yeah, do great. Snow do do make coffee right now and ignore this. So you, my favorite, one of my favorite Twitter accounts is Best of Next Door. Dear God, and it is awesome. Because it will take screenshots of next door communities around the country, and just highlight just the insanity that happens on next door. And usually, one of the titles will be, you know, good things. Good things happen when neighbors talk, and it's never a good thing. It's never a good thing when neighbors talk. It is awesome because it's not my community, and it's nice to look in. So, best of next door on Twitter is phenomenal.
1: I uh, uh, I saw one on next door recently where somebody made a comment about people getting upset about bikers on the roads and i just thought like there's nobody who's on next door that i know more than jim duncan i just imagine you like seeing that well, i stepped your into that across. i
0: stepped into that briefly um <laughs> you know the woman is a neighbor in my neighborhood um you know it was just and it was somebody that just you know the guy made it not not an awesome decision it wasn't the end of the world and and she went on a tirade about how cyclists are just the worst people in the world and they've got bad children and their dogs are ugly. And it was just like, lady, they're just people riding bicycles.
2: Yeah. Wait, why do why do people on bikes have ugly dogs? I don't know. What are y'all doing to get all these ugly
0: dogs? We we don't exercise them enough because we're on our bicycles. Yeah,
1: obviously. <laughs> I thought it was more like a humanitarian thing, like you were going to the SPC. I mean, like I want the, ugly, the, ugly, I want the ugly ones. Because the ugly ones aren't going to get the home right away. Because so people on bicycles, bicycles are
0: good people. We do that sort of thing. Exactly. Well, that doesn't sound so- true.
1: <laughs> Socially conscious bikers.
2: That doesn't sound like that doesn't. Like, I'm sure there are evil bikers. There's evil cyclists. There
0: out are. There. Not in my club. There his are evil drivers, is, too. Even his name walkers. is Lance Armstrong. Moving on. Yeah.
2: <laughs> he broke Dave's heart.
0: All right. Next. <laughs> <laughs> get I can't deal with Lance today. Home inspection. I can't deal with Lance I today. I just can't deal with it. A 20 year old, like news story.
2: I'm I'm the most
1: reliable source for like how to take a solid discussion and throw it off the rails. I'm the most reliable source for that. The
2: oldest news story ever. I can't deal with the new deal today. Like you can't just shelve history. It lives in all of us. Hey, everybody
1: wanted to take a quick break to talk about rockfish. We are a new music entertainment company in Charlottesville, Virginia, and are producing records with independent artists. I'm sure you're all aware that the music industry has changed pretty dramatically over the last 10 plus years. In some ways, it's been rough, but frankly, we view it as a good thing. Artists are able to create more music for fans than ever before with less barrier for entry. However, the larger industry has pretty much given up on developing artists, only signing bands that have proven themselves. We viewed this as an opportunity to work with independent artists to provide resources to make great records for the fans, and create a closer connection between artists, fans, and the recording company. It's really pretty simple. Inside you not only get the records the artists make, but all kinds of rough tracks, alternate takes, bonus material, and more. The goal is to let fans access all of the stages of recording an artist goes through. So check us out at rockfishmusic.com and subscribe. If you're a music fan, this is an amazing way to access new music and directly support independent artists. All
0: right, so it's June 29th this year. So far in Charlottesville, 1,278 7, 8 homes have sold. Um, last year, uh, 1,200
1: homes have sold in 2018 so far. In the first almost half 1,300, the and it wow. will be it
0: will be more because you've got 29, 30 June. And so you'll have more. You know, most closings happen in the last couple of days.
1: That seems incredible.
0: Uh, last year, uh, same time frame, eleven forty had had sold. So you know, a fairly significant increase in in volume. Um, but the one the one reason I pulled this number for the pod was that this year of that twelve seventy eight, three hundred and ten have sold with cash. And last year, almost three hundred sold with cash. So fairly consistent. Hmm. Um, that's the one in one data point in the MLS in that from a house sold perspective, I think is fairly accurate. The other ones between arms and fixed rate mortgages and stuff are not always, um, properly selected. But yeah, you know, out, you know, out of 1300 homes sold over 300 sold just cash. Wow. What is that, what does that tell us? It tells us that there's a lot of cash in the market, but it's also fairly consistent year over year. Um, I'll pull for next time. I'll pull like sort of a five, 10 year history, but it's, in my, my 17 years, it's been fairly consistent between 20 and 30% year over year. Um, has hmm. been a you know, cash transaction, which is good for the, for the seller. Cause usually you don't have an appraisal contingency. You have less concerns about the loan, et cetera. Um, but it's also when cash is so high. And in some environments we've had within the city and County, you've had multiple offer situations. So if you've got four offers, five offers, I've seen it, Personally, with my with my clients, where if you're that if you're um, they're asking four hundred and you go in at four oh seven with a loan, and the cash one comes in at four oh two or three ninety seven, the seller might take that lower offer because it's cash. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, though, um, I've also seen it because where cash is so prevalent and loans are so, you know, if you have the right loan package you can have a pretty significant degree of confidence that it's going to go to close. So if everybody's cash, the value of cash is diminished. Mm -hmm. So it's, and I've seen it where people will say it's cash and then they'll pull out a home equity line or they'll go get a mortgage. Um, Mm -hmm. But they're saying that it's cash and they can prove that they have 400 grand in the bank, but they don't necessarily have to go that route. Right. Um, So it's just something for for sellers to be aware of that if it's cash, it it can be a good thing. Uh, And for buyers, if you're competing with cash, and know that you might not win. Um, home inspections. <clears throat> One guy on Twitter um, asked me, "Should he have a home inspect? How often should he have a home inspection on his existing house? Hmm. Should it be part of like?" That's having- a thing. Not yet, but the home inspectors—if any of them listen to this—will be happy to hear that I'm recommending it.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> More business, good. And you can't. I come... inspect
2: my own house every day. I walk through it. I look. I see that I didn't clean the baseboards last month. Like, I mean, I'm inspecting.
0: I ignore the things that a home inspector would look at on my house because I know I don't want to deal with them. Uh, I, you know, I know the water coming out of that coming out of that channel probably should be diverted. Okay, it's fine. I'll get to it tomorrow. That was like six years ago. Sure. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I mean, it, you know, I think it it would be. I mean, I, I it took me years I to get just into call the, that homeownership. Yeah. <laughs> Ignoring. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, if you if this is going to turn into a podcast where you try and make me more responsible, Jim, I got a lot of problems going on.
0: I can't. I can just put the advice out there. If you take it, great. If not. Just as great. I
2: know, but now I know and I'm gonna feel guilty when I don't well, before the ignorance. So I mean was like so what nice. would be the
1: benefit of like getting a home inspection, yeah, even if you're not intending
0: on selling or yeah, like, just to I just to if, know the condition of your home. Yeah, I mean, I think you have your HVAC service twice a year. I and mean, you sh- I mean that's something you legitimately you should because you drive your car what an hour a day, hour and fifteen minutes a day, and you get it you get the oil change every three to five thousand miles. Right. You know, but you run your HVAC twenty-four seven. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to pay 150 bucks and have it looked at twice a year. Yeah, but a home for a home inspection, I think that it's not unreasonable to have it inspected, you know, th- every three or four years, and just to get a sense of what, you know, what that is. I mean, I had my um, in the last windstorm, I lost a bu- bunch of shingles. My house is 14, 15 years old, and <clears throat> my guy came over. He's on the roof replacing the the shingles, and uh, he calls or texts me. He's like, "Hey, uh, all of your boots are cracked." The vent boot is the thing over the the yep. white pipe coming yep. out of the. Yeah. Said so they're all cracked. Do you want me to replace them? I'm like, well, yes, I want you to replace them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I never would have known that there was a potential for a leak in my roof if he'd not gone on gone up, gone up there and said, oh, "Your boots are cracked." Yeah. Right. So I mean, for me, that's a little thing to say. You know, maybe every three, four, or five years, have someone comes through, give them four hundred bucks, five hundred bucks to inspect the house and see what latent things are that you might not have paid attention to. Kick the tires on your house for you. Yeah. So I, I think it's you know, I think it's a good idea. I mean home inspections are you know, they're they, they we're are gonna go find a home inspector to sponsor this episode is what we're yeah. gonna do. they I mean they're they're a good a good they're a good thing to, to look at it with a third set of eyes that you know you you're not looking through every day and the weather stripping, you know, I know I need weather stripping. It might help to hear somebody else say that. Yeah. I'm, has just, great I'm just
1: I'm just working on like trying to muster the 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 motivation to go clean out my gutters.
0: So yeah, now that we have trees in the neighborhood, that's a thing. <laughs> Ten years ago we didn't M- have Myself trees. and my
1: neighbors, we stared at our we all three of us just stared at our houses, being like, So we got to clean those ones that are up at the top of the house. How do we do that? And then we all decided that we hire somebody to do that. Amen. Yeah,
0: dude. Amen. Don't die. And check the gut, check the uh, the the corrugated pipe coming out. So my, my house sits, there's a little fall to my backyard, about, you know, 15% or whatever. And my black, the black corrugated pipe from my gutter, you know, it runs out to the back of the yard, about 30, 40 foot away from my house. And I was inside one day, it was pouring down rain. I looked at my gutters, and my gutters were overflowing like crazy. Yep. You know, and I knew there was nothing in there. I'd gotten the lacrosse ball out of the gutter before, so and I, <laughs> I knew that wasn't the reason. And so I went out there, I walked around my house, I looked up, saw the gutters were overflowing, I walked down to the corrugated pipe, looked in it, and it was so rem- remarkably clogged. Hmm. So I dug out all the funk and gunk in there and listened to the water coming out of my gutters. Little things like that can... always oh, smelled awesome. same thing. Oh, it was
2: disgusting. Same, same thing happened awesome. uh, to, to us, except that um, the, the corrugated pipes se- seemed to rupture somewhere in the yard. Yeah. And then like, I thought that we had a new natural spring on the property. <laughs> so I dug it out and I was like, Hey, look at this. Nope. <laughs> it's not what it was. Cause we already have one. That's what's under the bamboo. That's what's causing the bamboo It's like, there's a natural spring on the property. That's like piped off.
0: Why does everything focus around the bamboo? It was, it's just it's bamboo. Oh, you come live there for six months to see if it doesn't focus on the bamboo. I don't understand how much of Mars
1: life has to revolve around the bamboo to begin with.
2: That's what causes that bamboo issue. But I'm just saying, we thought it was a new natural spring. It wasn't. <laughs> the pipes were just blocked.
1: There's there's something to pitch when you go to look at a house and there's like a septic system that's like overflowing. and be like, oh, no, it's a natural spring. Oh, no. Yeah.
2: That, that, happened to too. that happened to us, too. That happened us, too. No, that this natural spring smells bad. We're talking like I'm serious, like two months into having the house, the bath, like the bat, like something backed in, backed up into the uh, shower, like it was just covered. It was awful. It obviously smelled horrific, and like they came out and they're like, ah, we think you have a septic tank and it's just full. I was like, no. We definitely, are, we definitely are on county water and sewer. Like, I know that's true. We do not have a septic – like, there's no chance we have a septic tank. They ran the thing out. They're like, you definitely have a septic tank. <laughs> I was like, no, we definitely don't have a septic tank. That is not true. And finally they went out there and figured it out that the pipe that was going to the sewer – the people would like put a new fence right before we moved in, had set a post right on top of it and it had settled through the pipe. And so they were like running that camera out there and they thought that camera was ending in a septic tank. It wasn't, it was just ending in like a blocked uh, post. And so then they had to like put a blowout around the post and get it out, but it sucked. And like, yeah, again, (laughs) but like, you You sure this isn't a natural spring? (laughs) That. Yeah. <laughs> you should have a positive outlook on things that you should walk around and assume like, ah, uh, this flooding is probably a natural spring that's going to maybe like that open up a, some opportunities for is, me.
0: That is a positive outlook on the it world. It really
2: is. Like Anna was like, I don't think that's a natural spring.
0: I'm shocked. She turned out I'm to be right. I'm shocked at your positivity and I'm I'm impressed. I was, dude, I was really trying to have a good attitude about it. So that is why for older houses I advise my clients to have the sewer line <laughs> <laughs> That
2: is a good suggestion.